just so y'all would uh, be in shock. Uh, but I've, no, don't do it. That's okay. We'll plan it on a, a bigger day, okay? It's a, <clears throat> Before we get into uh, the scripture, if you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to read that, and then we're going to look at our, our Luke 22 passage. But I just want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, my wife and I and our family were not alarmist type individuals. In fact, we, I don't know if you remember Y2K. Did anybody remember Y2K? Did anybody, I'm not going to ask you if you, what all you bought, <laughs> you know, that you probably still have that you've never used unless you went camping or whatever. But we lived through Y2K, but we also, I was pastoring Second Baptist Highlands. And um, when the gasoline shortage was taking place, any of y'all remember the gasoline shortage? Wasn't that, let's see, it was in the 70s? 72, 73, something like, what'd you say? 72, 73. So we had the gasoline lines. And in Highlands, the little gasoline stores up and down that sold gasoline, I mean, it was like the lines were long. And by the way, you know what street we lived on in Highlands? We lived in a parsonage. You know what street we lived on? The parsonage on Faith Street. It's because it took a lot of faith to, to be there. But uh, so we got together, a bunch of us <clears throat> in the church, and we came up with a little plan. And the plan was to <clears throat> take like lunch bags. So in the lunch bag, we had like a little snack. We had uh, bottled water and we had a track. How to be saved. And so, because these people were sitting in lines for hours waiting on their little shot of gasoline. So, what we did, we had our church van and it had Second Baptist Highlands on it. And so, we would ride along the long lines. And as they were the driver, the driver on our side, we would just pass those bags out. We had people in the back of the van and they were moving them. And we, and we gave away hundreds of gospel tracts to people waiting in line. They had nothing. I mean, think about it. They, they weren't going anywhere. They had no, no gasoline to get anywhere. So they just had time on their hands. We gave them something to read, kind of like the million dollar bill thing. So we gave them uh, something to read while they're in the lines. We gave them something to cool down because it was warm. And so after last week, Give, uh, give a person a cup of cool water in Jesus' name. I had the thought, I presented to the elders, I said, you know, maybe we ought to be thinking about having a little bit of water for our members and bringing, bringing you know, like some cases of water for our members or even maybe so that we could distribute it if, if there was a need. Well, you know how the elders, we don't move real fast on anything. And so we're, we're you know, going back and forth with it. And uh, in the meantime, and I didn't even point this out to them, but in the meantime, Jackson, Mississippi had a flood last week. And their city municipality said, we are out of water. Our water system is not working and we have no bottled water, we're out. Guess what? 
Churches from the Houston area got together and they loaded up trucks and they started hauling cases of water to Jackson, Mississippi. Now, we could have been a part of that. I think it was, I think it's a good idea to have, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, store up two million bottles of water, but it wouldn't hurt to have a little something to give somebody if they come to the church. We've had food pantries before. We've had things when people come and they have a need. It's just like John mentioned this morning. The, the crisis pregnancy centers. There are more people going to those now. They, they are needing supplies. They're needing volunteers. They're needing help. Now, the, ch- the church, we can just sit around and, and you know, uh, not be a participant in all of this. But I think, I think we need to be thinking and praying about, God, what do you want us to do? At the very least, all of us as individual families ought to have a little something that we could share with somebody else in time of need. At the very least, we could have a little extra something that we could share with maybe our neighbors or somebody nearby us that we could share in time of need. And I think it's something to think about. I think, I think, uh, I think it's important for the church to be involved in things like that as we, as we can. And we're not all in the same location. We're all scattered out all over everywhere. But uh, we, we have an opportunity and we have, I think, the responsibility to be able to give a cup of cool water in Jesus' name. And I think it'd be important for us as a church to examine and think about it and pray about it and what can we do uh, if, you know, if people... Uh, have a certain need. We might not could give them a lot of money at this time, but we could sure maybe give them something to encourage them and help them. And then I'm going to tell you, people in need are much more open to and receptive to the gospel when they come to you and you can help meet even a physical need. I think it's a very good principle. And, and then that spiritual need is right there along with it. But they, they can have both ministered to. So just something to think about, something to pray about. And individual families, you can, you can participate as the Lord leads each one of you. Now then, <clears throat> turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read the passage. Going to read the passage <clears throat> in chapter 11. beginning in verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, that the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup <clears throat> unworthily, or the cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So it's important. We emphasize this probably every Lord's Supper. And it is important. 
I think it's important. You know, I can remember people, we've had this for a long time, and people say, well, this is a celebration, and this is a remembrance, and it is a celebration. This is a celebration. I mean, this is to remind us, a remembrance to remind us that we're on our way to heaven because we have faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's died on Calvary. He's given his life. He's been raised from the dead. We have eternal life through faith in him and him alone, not in an ordinance. I've had people in the other building, uh, you know, I had a man come one time and and somebody walked forward, said they accepted Christ. And he came up to me and challenged me right away. Why aren't you baptizing him now? I said, well, you know, number one, we don't have any water in the baptistry. And number two, uh, we'll do it, you know, next month or whenever we have a couple more. No, you need to be baptizing him today. But the family that was coming at the time, they believed in baptismal regeneration. In fact, the brother of that same man, when he baptized his uh, son in the baptistry over here, he said, now your sins are being washed away. He said that in the, in the baptistry. He said, now, he had already made a profession of faith. He had already prayed to receive Christ. And the brother said, the daddy said, and now your sins are forgiven. And now your sins are being washed away. And I called him up. He was a surgeon downtown Houston. I called him up the next day on Monday morning. I never will forget. And I said, we have a problem and he said, what's the problem? I said, the problem is you proclaimed baptismal regeneration in our baptistry yesterday. He said, well, I, it's just my upbringing. It's just where I've come from. I said, no, you intentionally did that. You intentionally did that. And so it wasn't long. He ended up with cancer and died of cancer. I'm not saying there's any correlation at all. I'm just saying that was the chain of events that happened. So... We need to be careful that we understand this is all about Christ, what He's done for us. It is a celebration, but it is um, a time of remembrance. And it is a time of self-examination. Over and over, the Scripture reminds us that we're to examine ourselves and not to take it in an unworthy manner. Not to participate in this in an unworthy manner. What is an unworthy manner? What would you think an unworthy manner is? I think, uh, first of all, first and foremost, unworthy manner is participating in this with unconfessed, unrepented of known sin in your life. You got something going on in your life. You're not being transparent with God. You're not being honest with God. You're not being forth uh, telling with God. You're not being truthful with God and you still partake of the Lord's Supper, that's in an unworthy manner. And there are consequences to partaking in an unworthy manner. That's why we encourage people, look, don't feel the pressure to have to feel like you've got to partake of the Lord's Supper. If you've got something that's unresolved, something that you need to deal with, don't, don't partake of the Lord's Supper yet. Wait till you deal with it. Wait till you turn from it. Wait till you get with God alone with it. Whatever it is. And so, but there is an unworthy manner and there are consequences. And when it says, and, and they sleep, well, they, people can actually die from partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner.
So now then, turn to Luke 22, if you will. Luke 22. And I, I mean, they're just, it's so amazing to think that Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen. He knew what was coming his way. Verse 14, and when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ has made for each one of us. We are unworthy. We know we don't deserve it. We know that we're guilty, and we're so thankful. We'll be, we'll be more thankful in heaven because then we'll really fully appreciate what all has been done for us. But now with our limited view, like seeing through a glass darkly, Father, I know that, uh, that we are the, the best we know how. We say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus, for his body that was so brutally beaten and torn for my sin and our sins, for the sin of the whole world. And we're careful to praise you and thank you and very grateful for who you are in our lives and in our hearts. We just love you so much and thank you for loving us the way you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to have the men 